0: welcome to episode 34 of Tea or Books. I'm Rachel. I'm Simon. And today we have thrilling topics to discuss. So we're going to start off with talking about do we like books set based on real events or not? Um, And then we're going to seamlessly move on to the second part because this is what these books are all about. Two books that we've read um, F. Tennyson Jesse's A Pin to See the Peep Show and E. M. Delafield's Messalina of the Suburbs, both of which are based on a real life murder trial with a woman who and her lover who were convicted of murdering the woman's husband, though uh, there is much doubt over whether the woman was actually involved in the planning of the killing or not. So, um, very interesting stuff and great books as well. So, I'm looking forward yeah. to discussing. So Simon, how are you? What have you been up to?
1: I'm good, thanks. It's nice to have you back, Rachel. We miss you thanks last so time. Thanks very much. Um yes. Um I did ask Rachel just before we started recording whether or not she'd to me and Colin, but 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 not yet. <laughs> we need, but, to but get, I know. need to get over you know, the pain and the sadness. Yep. I did? Exactly. Um, um it was fun having Colin here, but it's very nice to have you back. Thank you. Um yes, I'm good, thanks. Um I am currently cat sitting for my friend. I've done, I think I've done a previous episode in this very little room, in <laughs> yeah. fact. Um, I'm usually in someone else's house at some point looking after their cat. <laughs> this time I segued from looking after someone's house, somewhere else, into looking after this, cat sitting, popping into my own house very briefly in between to grab the microphone <laughs> 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 and, you know, clothes and stuff. Yes. L- lesser essentials. <laughs> um, how are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. I just had half term, been chilling out. And uh, not doing very much at all, actually, even very lazy. Um, so I'm a bit behind on the old reading front, but I'm going to get back on it. I haven't read anything all week. Have you know? No, well, I went to New York last Saturday, and so I had a very long train journey. And I made the mistake of reading a very sad book on the train um, called The Monster Calls. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a chill, it's oh, i read that, yeah. 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 And I wanted to read, it's just come out as a film, and I wanted to read it to see whether I I could teach it to one of my classes. The conclusion to that is no, because I can't read it without being in floods of tears, so that's not going to work. So I was like holding it together on the train, really hoping the ticket inspector wasn't going to come while I was thinking (laughs) back to tears. Um, Amazing book, but yeah, very um, soul-destroying. So I started, I finished that very quickly, and then I started reading a Trollope novel, which um, was the only thing I had on my Kindle that would actually download. I didn't realise you had to download stuff properly before you went away from Wi-Fi. I'm not very good at technology. So um, I started reading The Way We Live Now, which I've meant to read for ages, and I'm getting really into it, but it's very long.
1: He does love a long book, doesn't he, Trollope? Mm.
0: He does. You know, like when you've been reading for ages and then your Kindle tells you you're only 2% in. <laughs> like, oh, right, that, that'll be another 52 hours then, will it? But it's, no, it's really good. I love the way he writes. So I'm looking forward to, to finishing that.
1: I do find it a, bit, a um, bit odd with Kindle. I have the Kindle app on my phone and I've been reading one of bitt's novels and sort of you know spare moments on there um i can't remember what the novel's called <laughs> but um <laughs> but i've got it in the complete of bit so it starts it's somewhere in the middle so it starts at like 60 percent or something and however much i read it i never really gets beyond 60 percent because <laughs> it's, probably the whole book is only 60 to 61 percent or whatever in this enormous collection of books it's very disconcerting not knowing where i am in it
0: yes i do miss a proper book for that
1: but the book I'm reading um is um Sylvia Townsend Warner uh The True Heart. Ah. Um, which somebody gave me in a Virago um library thing Secret Centre. Um mm-hmm. they organised over that no, two or three years ago. And after really loving her short stories earlier in the year, I or well, last year no, I thought, um, I'll give her novels another go because I have had mixed success successful novels. Obviously you know I love Lolly Willows, but I had struggled mm-hmm. with some of those. But this one so far going very well. So it's set in late Victorian period, I think, on a on a farm, <laughs> um, oh. and yeah, it's, it's, she writes really beautifully and is not too off puttingly odd. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sounds like an interesting read. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Well, let's let's go straight into our first topic.
0: Mm. So. Books that are based on real life events. Now, obviously, we've come up with, I say we've, I've come up with this concept and now cannot think of anything um, related to that, but I have actually thought of one that I know that you didn't like at all. Oh, really? But I don't know whether this counts, because we're we talking about fictionalised versions of real events. We are, aren't we?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so that, that, that example's not going to count. Oh. So I was thinking in cold blood.
1: Oh yeah, that doesn't. Well, I mean, you might, you can argue those things. Well, yes. I guess. Um, yeah, I didn't like reading that. I, although I still think it's a, probably a good book. But yeah,
0: <laughs> it's probably all right. Probably but, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but unpleasant, very unpleasant.
0: Yes, um, I can't think of anything. Off the top of my
1: head. <laughs> <laughs> got something? Um, I've got a few. We can talk more okay. about like the I- whether or not we like the idea of reading them i guess more more theoretically but before we get there let's think of some actual concrete examples um i um i seem to have mostly read once about virginia wolf when i was writing down my list oh right okay so oh
0: okay i've got some ideas now now you said that
1: (laughs) i guess because i guess there is a difference um between a fictionalized version of real events and then a real (laughs) person appearing as a character Yes. Something like um, Virginia Woolf in Manhattan by Maggie Gee, Maggie Gee? Sure yes,
0: I, I remember seeing that
1: book. I really enjoyed it, I thought it was very good, but um, obviously not based on the thing real because it's Virginia Woolf appearing in 21st century Manhattan. So there's there's no... You can, yeah, there's an understanding of what she's like as a person mm. um, informing that character. And, and Maggie um, Gee has a... I think PhD in 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 Virginia Woolf <laughs> studies. Oh. I was thinking, well, probably wow. in, in English, but you know, but, so, uh, <laughs> um, knows an awful lot about her and, and and writes very well about her, very convincingly. Um, but there is things like Priya Palmer wrote um, Vanessa and her sister, and yeah. Susan Sellers wrote Vanessa and Virginia, and Michael Cunningham wrote The Hours, all of which have Virginia Woolf um, appearing as as a character in real life situations. Um, that so just their sort of understanding of how actual things happened rather than just taking her as a character um mm. so yeah apparently i put most of my eggs in one basket when it comes to reading about real life and that i will read anything or two with virginia wolf <laughs> and usually enjoy it um, all, all in fact all three of those i thought were very good um so it's, it's slightly odd, perhaps that i re- read about a character that you think i'd be very protective of and very you know realising if they got it wrong or whatever. but Unless they are just are getting it all very right. <laughs> um,
0: well, yes.
1: I, yeah, I've not come away from many of them thinking, how dare you say that Virginia would say or do that. Um, perhaps a little with Vanessa and her sister, um, by Priya Farmer, I think, um, yes, yeah, sometimes she most there's lots of letters and things in it. So if there's a, a letter between I can instantly see that's not how she wrote her letters mm. that's, that's I think hard.
0: it probably depends on how well you know the, the character that they're trying to be, like for example for us if we know an author really well or we know a historical character really well it's frustrating when you read it and think yes but I know that they wouldn't have said that or I know that wouldn't have happened and I think it's difficult to separate fact from fiction in that sense like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to read something like that and think, oh, it's artistic license, it's fine. Because I would be thinking, well, if you're going to use this character, then at least you've got to try and make them like that person. Otherwise, what's the point? You might as well just have created anybody.
1: Absolutely. And I've not read any of them, but there used to be a spate of real-life car- people appearing as detectives in things. There's a series where yeah. Jocelyn Taylor was a detective and a series, I think Giles Brandon did a series where Oscar Wilde was a detective. Um, yeah. And I think... I think there are others that did similar things, and it is, yeah, quite bizarre to sort of dislocate someone from their real life in that way. Um, more or less, as far as I can tell, just either because they think it's fun or just to cash in on the <laughs> on the popularity of that character. Um, yeah, I don't know. it's a nice idea, I guess, if it's if it's done well, but it's not it's not really the same is it, as as.
0: No, I think it's an odd conceit. If you're going to do it, and I think you've got to do it with purpose, and you've got to want to literally recreate this character. So, for example, *The Hours* um, by help me, thank you, (laughs) Um, is a really good example where it is very much you've got Virginia Woolf, but also her characters, which is I think really, really interesting. Yeah, um, and the bits with Virginia Woolf in are very true to life I, I think certainly from my under, my reading of her life
1: I was slightly, in the slightly weird position that The Hours was, was more or less the first time I read anything about her life I've read quite a bit since but that's sort of always been like the, the blueprint for how I understand her mm-hmm. life that <laughs> <laughs> um, I compare her real life back to this fictionalized film- <laughs> version of her life um, I think in the film I really love the film but I don't think it was particularly realistic Virginia Woolf in the film um, no but, I think in the book but then, you know, also. you can't
0: really get past Nicole Kidman wearing a prosthetic nose, can you?
1: Sometimes you can, Rachel. Sometimes <laughs> you can think it was an Oscar-worthy <laughs> performance, all right? <laughs> Just leave Nicole out of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, did any other examples spring to mind?
0: Well, I was chatting? thinking about, I, mean, I haven't actually read it, but I've had it on my shelf for years and years, is... Um, the Three Sisters by May... Fair, yeah. yes, which I haven't read, um, but I know it's based around the Brontes. And yes, I think the reason I read. It mm. is because I'm a bit worried about it being some terrible pastiche of the Brontes. Um, but I'm sure it's, you know, alright. And on <laughs> The last theme of the Brontes is um, the Brontes went to Woolworth, where you've got sort of strange appearance of people who aren't really, uh, which is Victor Ferguson novel, isn't it? Mm. Of people who aren't really real, but they sort of pop up. It's a bit like in, um, I always feel like the film Notting Hill is quite interesting because it's like Julia Roberts is playing someone who's really like Julia Roberts and then she's mentioned and, you know, it's all very odd. But um, it's that kind of insertion of real people in a fictional world I find sometimes quite strange.
1: Yeah, and I think in the Bronte's words, it's really brilliantly, deliberately strange. And it is, yes. um Yeah, she's really investing in the, in the sort of eccentricity of the whole situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, we should talk about it another time on the podcast, actually. It's a really interesting book. In fact, I'm giving a, co- a paper on it at a conference in in May. Oh. So um, Yeah, I, the Mace Sinclair one, I've, Assembly, I've had for a long time. And I, I really like May Sinclair's writing. Not that I've read a lot of her books, but um, that's one I have always thought... Slightly tentative, but I think maybe it's because the Bronte's have become so mythologised now that mm. I wonder if I'll just be put off by like the steps they have to that sort of get, you know, paint by numbers Bronte's or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's scenes where they're wandering over the moors looking into middle distance, but, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> perhaps not. As I do Macy justice. injustice. Um, I. There is another one that came to mind in really, that I think you have read, um Regeneration by Pat Barker.
0: Oh yes, of course. Um, yeah.
1: Which I yeah, I also have read but I don't remember very much about other than So it's Seaford Soon, isn't it?
0: It is, yeah. and Robert Graves, yeah.
1: Um and it's
0: And Wilfred Erwin. They're all in uh, there.
1: Yeah, all in there. So um again I don't know how close to life What was I sorry, is it in a psychiatric ward not, or not? It sorry, is, but, in yeah. our hospital
0: yeah, it is. Um it's very interesting actually, and I think I mean, I think Pat I know Pat Walker researched it really carefully, so she was very keen to try and make it as realistic as possible. But I mean obviously there's artistic license in there. But it's um I think with that it's kind of the use of these characters as a hinge around which to discuss wider issues. And I don't think for me, I mean I know a lot about those poets anyway, and I know about their lives and their work and stuff. So um but it didn't feel strange to me reading it, I think, because I don't know them that well yeah. for it to have interfered. Like, I've never read a biography of them, so I could just accept it as face value. Whereas if I read something about Virginia Woolf or the Brontes, for example, I know I have read their biographies. I do know a lot about their life and it would bother me to read it and be like, oh, no, but I know that that didn't happen. Or I know that they never had that conversation or I know that wouldn't have been possible with someone, something like that with regeneration where I don't know the lives they're, they're, that filter wasn't there so it didn't bother me um, you and you I feel, think it was quite like clever
1: Do you feel more, more or less inclined do you think to read uh, fictionalised if you know a lot about them or do you think you'd r- rather read it about people you don't know about
0: I, did, I think I'd be less inclined if I know a lot about them because I just think what's the point I already know this whereas if I don't know that much about them I find it's a good way to find out more about them and then it's also quite fun later if you then find out more about them and you can be like oh right so actually it wasn't like that whereas if I read that and it wouldn't bother me if I'd already read the book. Whereas if I am reading the book and I do know it already, it spoils the experience. I don't mind finding out later that something's wrong because I still would have enjoyed the book when I read it. Do you see what I mean?
1: That's interesting because I think I think the opposite, but for sort of similar reasons in that um, I like, ideally, my understanding of the person to be based on fact in the first place, and then once I've got that like bedrock, I'm happy to go and read fictionalized versions. And you know, <laughs> I, I don't like the idea that I'm reading something that I think, okay, I'm learning about this person, and then later find out that actually that isn't what they were like or something. Um, I guess yeah, I, I want my, my my firm foundation of knowing about them first. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And then there are sometimes that people that I willingly read a fictionalized version of that I would have no interest in reading a biography about. I've just I've just started um, the Blue Flower by Penelope Fitzgerald. Um, mm-hmm. So you've not read any friends of Fitzgerald have you? I
0: haven't, no. Because
1: mm-hmm, I think suggest we do an episode on her one, mm-hmm. and go And yeah, but I think you'd really like her. I've read um, a handful of just Straight novels by her. Um, she always writes about a very interesting, like oddly um, chosen topics. So that Freddy's is all about a children's theatre school, and the Human Voice is all about BBC and a bookshop. The bookshop is all about a bookshop, but um, this one is about um novalis who I've never heard of no. or apparently the pseudonym of Friedrich von Hardenberg right. and I'm trying to work out what he actually is famous for and I quote his list of um things he does off Wikipedia prose writer poet mystic philosopher civil engineer mineralogist so
0: sort of shame isn't yeah. it
1: <laughs> so I've only a chapter around and I have yet to work out if any of those things are going to come up and, and, and still haven 't quite worked out why he 's famous <laughs> but um that book i 'm very i 'm probably happy to read because I like her and because people say it 's her best one um whereas I probably wouldn 't bother reading a biography of him.
0: No, well, I mean, I've just actually, it's not a book, it's a play, but I just saw Amadeus at the National Theatre. And that's a play about Mozart and um, this famed thing he had with like feud with Salieri, which, you know, obviously isn't really true. But um, I didn't really know much about the story at all before I went to the theatre. And um, so I really enjoyed it not knowing anything. And then yeah. I came back. I came home and like, did some more research, and I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." Um, and actually, it didn't bother me that I didn't know anything about the biographies of either of them. Um, so I think I'm probably quite unusual, and I don't care. <laughs> I, I I would rather. I would rather go in blind than go in knowing too much because then I just get, I'm quite pedantic about things. and (laughs) I would just get annoyed. I'd rather not just put myself in a position where I can be annoyed. And I think it's interesting as well to come to a fictionalized version of of somebody because what you're actually seeing is the right, the person who's written it perception of that person. And it can be completely different perception that you've got, and it can help you see that figure in a different light. So for example, I think that hours made me feel a bit more sympathetic towards Virginia Woolf because I, when I read it, I just read Virginia Woolf and the Servants, and uh, which is by Alison Knight. and it's a, all about it's of uh, people who haven't read it. It's a um, kind of biography of Virginia Woolf, but looked at through the way in which she dealt with mm-hmm. servants and people of a different back, class background to her, and it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty damning. Um, book, really, in the way that it reveals how snobbish she was. And I mean, I know she's a snob, you can tell that from her writing, but um, i just remember thinking oh she's dreadful and then i read the hours and actually i saw her in a more human light a different way because i mean obviously we've all got sides of us that aren't attractive and just focusing on that one side had colored me in very in a very particular light towards her which wasn't fair so yeah i think it's good to to see people's creative interpretations of people as well so i'm not sure though that i would pick that kind of book over another though Like, i would still rather read a biography
1: yeah, I recently saw *Travesties* by by Tom Stoppard um, in London.
0: <gasps> did you see it with Tom Hollander in no?
1: it? I did see it with Tom Hollander in it. I was, oh, was
0: the tickets.
1: It was all very impromptu. I was in London for a course, and um, I really I thought, oh, as I'm here, I may as well go to the theatre. And I was just sort of scrolling through what was on, what I had a ticket to, because so, I wanted to go and see *Had a Gabler but there were no tickets left for that. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, oh, why not I like Tom Stoppard? Um, and so that play, I thought I'd read it, and I, I think. I oh, haven't seen it I must have either read it and forgotten every single detail about it or not read it. <laughs> um it's based on a time that James Joyce, Lenin and Tristan Zara were all in Zurich and um James Joyce masterminded the production of um The Importance of Being Earnest which um and he yeah, he takes that as sort of his starting point and then mixes together all of their lives and with the play The Importance of Being Earnest. Um and I know the Pons of the is sort of inside out um, mm. I know a bit about James Joyce but a tiny tiny amount about Lenin, and nothing at all about Tristan Zahara so <laughs> it was quite interesting watching this play where I was—I found it really funny when he'd like take a scene from Pons of the and subvert it or take a half a line and so throw it in um, yeah. and then I'm sure there was so so much that I was not getting and different bits of the audience were laughing at different times like lines that seemed to me completely innocuous that people were laughing at but I'm thinking oh, that must be you know something that Lenin wrote or something that Zara said or whatever um, so that's one of the things where I now have a very bizarre understanding of who Tristan Zara was that I'm sure if I read a biography of him it would turn out not to be the case
0: <laughs>
1: because it's a, it's a very frenetic strange play where I mean at one point people are like doing burlesque dancing to communist manifesto or something so you know, it's all, all sorts of things that probably didn't happen <laughs> but very very good very brilliantly um directing everything it was um, it's one of those odd things where even if you haven't got a clue what's going on you somehow still really enjoy it
0: <laughs> well I mean I would watch anything with Tom Hollander in it
1: I say I can, I can take a leave Tom Hollander so I felt maybe, like yeah I, I was um, spoiled by seeing him when well, actually I didn't care whether it was him or someone else <laughs> playing that role <laughs> but he was very good in it so yeah. And sometimes, when we talked about artists versus painters, I talked about how I read most of Summer in February by Jonathan Smith without realising that the painters and there were real people. So that <laughs> <laughs> has not given me a great grounding in that knowledge of them. No. Um, but yeah, I think I think in terms of the would you rather read... I mean, it's not quite how we frame the original question, but it will do. Like, how would you rather read a novelisation or a biography? For me, it really does depend hugely on who that person is. Mm. Um, I don't think I've got a hard and fast rule really Um, No
0: I think you know there's a time and a place for both I think you probably get more enjoyment out of reading about somebody that you already know a bit about I think For me, the more I know about somebody, the less likely I would want to read a fictionalised version of their life, unless it was in some sort of interesting concept. So, for example, that book about Virginia Woolf in Manhattan, it's not supposed to be realistic, it's interesting, you know, why has she chosen to do that? I might be interested in reading that. Whereas if it's, I'm going to write a book about Virginia Woolf, you know, being Virginia Woolf, I don't really know what the purpose of that book would be. Do you know what I mean?
1: That's true. So there's got to be a good reason why they haven't just written a biography or you know, you don't want to feel like this person started writing a biography, you realize it was too hard and this are yeah. <laughs> just write some kind yeah. of
0: story. Which I yeah.
1: presume is not the case in in the vast majority of instances. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I say like I think I'm the opposite. Um I would much rather read a fictionalization. I mean i probably I mean the fact that I've read four with Virginia Woolf in and, you know, <laughs> two with anybody else in so that, that does he something, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But in um, fact, I, w- I once had a, a vague idea of writing a novelization of a. a. Milne's life, or or like a section of it. Was gonna, it was going to be about when Christopher Milne came back from the Second World War. Um, Simon,
0: so mean you should do it.
1: Maybe one day well, will. Or there's a film about a. a. Milne coming out this year, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. Um I don't think it's got a title yet, but um, Donald Gleeson, is that his name? Yes,
0: do you know what, I've heard, you've told me about this before. Oh, I probably did. It's got oh. unlikely actors in it.
1: Yeah, I think I talked about the podcast, actually. Yes, yeah, Margot Robbie.
0: Yeah, um, uh, and I just thought, really, yeah. when you said that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I think they've not passed her for any great similarity in, her, in how she looks to um, Daphne <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like it's going to be quite a flattering um, comparison. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: Uh, but yes, I, that's one of those things where um, I'm very excited about it, and I'm also quite excited about going and sitting there and saying, "Well, actually,
0: <laughs> an awful lot."
1: <laughs> I, I think maybe that's think why. That's I, I, yes, I think that's probably why I like reading novel as well of people I know a lot about because I feel like I'm going could be superior. So well, of course, it wasn't published until the following year." <laughs> Basically, I'm a terrible person, and that's the solution to why I like reading certain <laughs> books. <laughs> um, but in the in the ultimate decision of do we like doing it or not, um, I don't really know how, how, what to what to pick because I I think I do, but I've done it so seldom. <laughs>
0: um, I think I would say I prefer to read a biography rather than a fictionalized version. So that would be my stance on that. Yes, but I don't dislike it. It's just, I, if you're going to write a book about something, I would rather it be original rather than using the life of somebody else.
1: And I think I'm just going to say that I'd rather read the novelisation in general um, just because... I want people to suggest more to me to read. <laughs> 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 I think we may have changed what the question was halfway through the episode. But, yeah, I'm um, well, in touch but to see that. Be out, yeah, exactly. podcast. We we um, like. But please let us know any um, novels about real people or real mm. situations. I mean, we've only really covered, like, famous people. I guess there are probably some out there about, I know, real situations with not fam- not famous people. Does that make sense?
0: A bit like the ones we studied today, I guess. Yes, exactly. Much Studied, sorry. We have studied them. them I'm I'm, 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 I'm
1: wildly overestimating what we're (laughs) going to (laughs) do. But yes, this does feel, uh, uh, Rachel, sort of curiously scholarly for teal books, this comparison.
0: Doesn't
1: it? It feels like an actual real comparison that should be made. It feels like there should be a paper about this in a small journal.
0: Well, I'm happy to write it. I mean...
1: um, <laughs> pitch it pitch it if, if you if you <laughs> if you look after a small journal about <laughs> into all <war> women's writing <laughs> we'd like rachel to write you an article about these get in touch see. um see. yes I, it was really fun to read these together um like i've had them both on my shelf for years without having read them and you've you've had them for quite a while haven't you or at least one of them for quite a while. yeah um yeah what? do you want I
0: mean, I knew vaguely that they were based on real events, but I had the impression that it was a different type of event than um, what it actually is. So basically, should I just explain? I will just explain. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to do that. The, both of the books are based around the real life um, trial of um, people whose name right now I can't remember. I've made
1: a little table of, 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 of the real-life names and the different names they have in the different books, because I know otherwise okay. it's going kind of to very much confuse me. So it's often known as the Thompson-Bywater trial, so it's yes. um, Edith Thompson and Frederick Bywater, or Edith Bywater and Frederick Thompson. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's Edith
0: Thompson yeah, and it's Edith Thompson yeah. and Frederick Bywater, so this was a real-life murder trial that happened um, in the Edwardian period, or no, the 20s actually, um, and yeah. I think, wasn't she one of the last women to be hanged?
1: Um, Yeah, so I think she was amongst the last I think the last one was in the 70s or something. um,
0: So quite rare to obviously hang a woman, certainly in England anyway. Um, And so basically what happened was um, the character, I was going to say Julia then, that's the name of the character, Um, Edith (laughs) Thompson was married to somebody who was a fair bit older than her. And,
1: well, can I interject here yeah. very quickly? Both books make him quite a lot older. In real life, he was three years older than him. Oh, right. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Three,
0: that is interesting. Okay, a few years older than her. Um, and they. So she wasn't particularly happily married and she met. She was a perfectly ordinary person, um, worked in a shop. Um, didn't she work in a shop? I did she look did, all yes. this up. Yeah. yeah. She worked in a shop and then she met this younger guy, I think he's about five or six he was about five or six years younger than her. Um and got swept off her feet by him and um he they basically she'd never really she's quite young, she hadn't really experienced proper love before and so she was bored and he offered her excitement and they wrote these letters to each other and she kind of got carried away and would say things about she you know she couldn't wait she was going to do something to her husband and all the rest of it but the reality was she hadn't really done any of these things well also it's claimed um and anyway it got to the point where this other guy the frederick who she was going out with got frustrated with the whole situation um, and attacked her husband and killed him while she was there and um, it all went to trial and they tried to basically, the trial made out that even though both of them said that Edith had had nothing to do with it, there had to have been some element of coercion involved for Frederick to have wanted to kill the husband and because there was these letters that Frederick had kept, Edith had, got rid of all of his letters but he'd kept all of her letters um there were hints in there that she had been planning on killing her husband or had felt angry like you know some desire to get rid of her husband in some way so she could be free to be with him um and because of that and because of the fact that it was considered impossible for her not to have wanted him to do this they were both found guilty and they were both hanged and um I think at the time, there was quite a lot of doubt about whether she had really been involved in it and whether it was right to have imprisoned her for it in the first place, let alone killed her and I think since then there's there's no, there's been a lot of doubt cast over the the verdicts, and it seems that it was a miscarriage of justice really that she shouldn't have been. Um, imprisoned or, or killed for it at all because she, it does appear that genuinely she was not involved in, in it at all. And it seemed to really have been quite an unplanned event. Something I think your emotions got, got, that's how I've understood it anyway. Emotions sort of got carried away. Um, and it wasn't really massively premeditated. But anyway, so.
1: Yes, from my reading about it, which is entirely the Wikipedia article, mm. <laughs> um, on it, it seems like people were quite, you know, happy for her to be convicted during the trial. But as soon as she was convicted, there was a massive outcry after her. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think not dissimilar to today, there's a lot of sort of, you know, tabloidy pile onto it, and then a sudden, like, hand ringing afterwards. Um, yeah. There was a big petition trying to get her sentence either revoked or um, transferred from, from death penalty to life in prison, which failed. And the, um, I believe the executioner Later, killed himself, citing the t- that killing her is like one of the motivations for, for his mm-hmm. own suicide. Um, and so it was this huge cause celeb. So I think the trial was in 24 or you 20, no 23. Yeah. Um, I think the events are in 22. Ian e. Delafield wrote her novel in 24, mm-hmm. so um, really quick off the mark. Um, uh, F. Tennyson, Jessie published hers in 1934, so yes. a bit later and a bit sort of, I guess, longer to to um, think about it and more evidence perhaps to come to light. Um, mm. So let's just—I know—they're I know both sort of the same story, but we can vaguely summarize what the, the way they're treated by these by these writers. Um, which would you like to do? <laughs>
0: um can i do a pin to see the peep show
1: sure so we both read this one first we both read them yes. both for this podcast but we've read them for that that one first yes
0: yeah so Pins to the peep show is a much longer novel for starters um and julia is the name of edith and um she we spend a lot of time with her before she gets married um in the book and you see her uh, She's at school and how um, anxious for attention she is. She's quite proud of her appearance. She's not necessarily beautiful, but she makes a lot of herself. She's very clever um, and she's very keen to make something of herself. She grows up in Hammersmith with um, parents who are very, you know, lower middle class and she's quite embarrassed by them and she that her house is not particularly smart and she wants a better life for herself and she gets herself a job in a shop and she works her way up and she does very well for herself um and Then her father dies and when her father dies, they don't have any money left because he didn't make very good savings. And so her cousin and her aunt and uncle have to move into her house and take over her bedroom. And in the meantime, her father's, one of her father's friends, um, has been sort of courting her is recently become a widow and even though she finds him quite repulsive um she's so precious about her personal space this that her cousin having to come to her house and share her bedroom is this impetus for her to quite rashly decide to to marry um and so she basically marries to get her own flat um not because she loves him mm-hmm. and um she's still very young she's only in her early 20s so she moves she marries and um very quickly she realizes that she's unhappy but then the war breaks out and her husband goes away so she doesn't really have to deal with it um and she thinks that it's going to be okay um and then you know it's not okay and she meets someone else who was in love for the first time and she can't bear the thought of not being with him and it's uh yeah so then the rest of it, I mean, it's all based on the real story, so it's all the fallout of that, really, and then what happens. And um, unlike Veselina of the Suburbs, there is quite a lot of time when she's in prison and she's thinking about what's happened, and it's a very sympathetic portrayal, very, very, yeah,
1: sympathetic very.
0: Portrayal of G- uh, Julia, and you know, paints her very much as, as an innocent.
1: Great, um, and, and yeah, yeah so Veselina of the Suburbs is, is very, very similar. Um, in terms of where it starts, it starts again in childhood um but where F T. St. and Jesse makes her this very synthetic, almost sort of impossibly intelligent and mm-hmm. sophisticated um uh, girl for her, particularly for her class she's sort of this this sense that she's far too good for where she's from and, she's, and she yeah. does it, rises up because she's so like extraordinary and there's even a scene during the trial where the, where her counsel describes her as this extraordinary person that you'll meet you know once in a lifetime mm. um evenfield makes. Um, Elsie, she is called in In, in the yes. extremely ordinary. Um, she is in this working class family, but all, all the dialogue in it is, um, very well, everyone sounds like the one behind the counter in Brief Encounter. <laughs> 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 There's lots of like, oh, well, I'll go for the foot of our stairs and oh, I'm sorry, I'm sure, and all sorts of things. <laughs> um, but, um, very determined to make her an extremely ordinary person. Similarly, she gets. Well, she starts a job as a companion rather than shop, where she gets, um, starts an affair with the doctor there, the, the father yes. of the, the household. That's over fairly quickly. She then marries a guy called Horace. He's called Horace uh, in this book, um, who almost instantly, when he's married, becomes appalling, <laughs> just like very um, controlling of her and very reluctant to let her see her family, um, where she's lived with her sister Geraldine and her mother, this... Um, um, but she then meets Leslie. Frederick mm-hmm. is Leslie, um, who uh, is sort of dating her sister, but quickly um, snares him herself. So uh, and and the, yeah, there the story is very similar, um, except it ends much sooner. Possibly because of when the Amadeus was writing. I don't know if the trial was still going when she was writing it, or if it because she finished writing it in nineteen twenty three. So um, possibly the outcome wasn't known. Um, oh yes. But I don't know um, if the ebook is the same. If anyone's been reading that, but Rachel and I both had the experience of our our copies have lots of short stories at the end of them, and I hadn't. I didn't know that was coming, and so I suddenly just turned the page, thinking I had about eighty pages left, and it just finished. (laughs) 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 And that was whilst um, that was during the trial. I think they just announced that she was going to be hanged at the end, and that was it. So whereas you see a lot of. Julia in prison—you—you you don't see anything after Elsie has been told that, and that's it, that's it. No, um, but again, a very sympathetic portrait, albeit not um, particularly so sympathetic in terms of her being innocent. Not particularly sympathetic in terms of what Delfield thinks of the character.
0: No, I found that quite a stark difference actually, because I literally read them back to back. And um, Julia in up into the peep show is, as you say, very much seen as a fish out of water. You know, she. She shouldn't have ever been put in this situation. She doesn't belong in the house that she's been brought up in. She doesn't belong with those sorts of people. And, you know, she's looking for um, magic, I suppose. She's looking for something that elevates her out of that life. And you can see much more um, clearly, I think, in in Pincy the Peep Show, the psychological... Um, reasoning why she does what she does you know you can see how trapped she feels you can see how much of an escape she longs for and everything she does there's there's a sort of reason in her childhood that is given for her behaving in that way um and even though she does write questionable things in in her letters, saying, you know, oh, I wish I could give him poison and things like that. You kind of know she's doing it to create a story, to create a drama, which is very much what they said about Edith Thompson, Um, this almost childish desire to be uh, a princess or something Mm -hmm. in her own story. Um, And by making her much more of a middle-class, well-to-do character, and she mixes very much with well-to-do people through the shop that she works in, and the shop is owned by... An aristocrat, so she mixes in those circles, and she's considered by everybody else in in the novel to be somebody who's very special, somebody who's talented, somebody who's got a natural class about her. Whereas in um, Ressalina of the Suburbs, Elsie is just kind of, I suppose, she's grasping, I would, the word I would Mm -hmm. use. She's very much, um, you know, a girl made good, if you see what I mean, and she's. She'll use anyone or for, for her own advancement, and she's very, very... She came across to me as really quite manipulative in a way that Julia doesn't.
1: She's very unkind to her sister, isn't she? Mm. Um, and I, and it was hard to know which of those was more realistic, because I sort of just assumed that Elsie would be more realistic in messing with the suburbs, but um, reading a bit more about it later, suddenly in terms of jobs... Edith Thompson's job was much closer to Julia's mm. um see so what in that clothes shop. Although they, they do yeah. go a bit over the top about how you know um, Julia's natural style and how she, yes. you know, she and she's sent off to Paris to look at like yeah. go and find the um models for, for, of outfits for the next season, etc. And she's like this sort of preternaturally stylish and um wonderful person. Um but that also appears to have not been that different from what he thought, that she had this sense of style, but, um, or at least according to Wikipedia, again. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's, um, slightly bizarre how they could be so different, um, yeah, based on the same, on, on this real life. I, I do find weird in, in Pinsy Blue is in, in the beginning, she claims that it's not, the novel isn't based on anyone, it's got that yeah. stand, standard, like, any similarities, <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, you know, concerned. Of where it so clearly is face and so on. But, um, but in terms of sympathy, I find the Frederick character much more sympathetic in Miss Selena, even if perhaps less realistic. So he's called Leslie in that book. He's called Leo in Pindancy of the Peep Show. Yes. Um, and l- both of them are very charming, a beginning, mm-hmm. very, um, and fun. Although I found with Pindancy of the Peep Show, almost from sort of like Leo seeming, Slightly suspicious, as indeed he turns out to be. Yeah. Where he, he keeps those letters because he thinks, oh, they might be useful for blackmail eventually. And I thought that was clever how she puts that in. Um, and he obviously gets less and less interested in her, whereas Leslie always seems like a fairly decent bloke who, you know, is in love with Elsie and um, maintains her innocence. The end. Whereas, yeah, F-Tennis um, and Jesse's very clever in the trial where she gets gets Leo to protest. Um, Julia's innocence, but mm. in a way that is meant to make himself look like he's hiding something. If he's, um, yeah. It's very clever. Um, speaking yeah. of those letters, actually, again, in PTC, I thought it was very, very well done how, um, how those letters came about, how she was, you know, slightly hysterically saying she was trying to poison her husband or suggesting a suicide pact or something, and it worked. Whereas in Messalina, um, you know sort of disposes of those letters in a paragraph where she says that she wrote about all sorts of things, including you know, poison has been dinosaurs. I bet, and, and it's, sort of, it's sort of it feels a bit of a jolt because obviously they have to be there because they're really important in the trial and because they actually happened. Yeah. Um, but they don't really feel like they work. Well, did you feel? Did you find that as well?
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I wonder whether there's a there's something there about the fact that E.M. Delafield was writing when it was still very contemporary, and I think perhaps. Maybe she didn't quite know what she Mm. thought about it. And so, and you know, when you read about those letters, they are actually quite incriminating. So Mm. when you think about that, I suppose perhaps E.M. Delafield is a bit more reluctant to come down on the side, whereas with 10 years distance, F.T. and Jesse is much more sympathetic towards Julia and much more. Psychologically thinking about the content of those letters and what might have propelled her to write those letters, and I think with the historical distance, she's able to write that, whereas E.M. Delafield isn't. And I suppose if you're publishing a book about something that's happening, you don't want to be like, "I think she's innocent." Wasn't it terrible? And it turns out, you know, she's going to get hanged. Um, you've got to be but having said her. that,
1: she still does seem to be like leaning on her innocence. Like not, I thought, yes. maybe one of them would be much more like this manipulative woman brought about this death, and the other one might be more much more this woman was innocent whereas both of them are very much they they do have the whole attack difference So one of them attacks on the spanner one of them stabs them i don't can't remember yeah. how it actually happened but both of them are, are this impromptu attack that the woman doesn't know anything about mm. um, in advance um which was you know the opposite of what the trial concluded so it's interesting that both of them went against the trial
0: yeah but it's interesting what you say about the men as well because you know in the miscell of the suburbs it it is very much too Innocence whereas in a pin to see the peep Show, definitely um it's leo in that one isn't it yeah, um
1: yeah.
0: it's leo he's who he always comes across as a bit of a shifty character he's are up to no good and he 's always got one eye to the thought that he 'll need to extricate himself from this relationship at some point, whereas um, the other one is much more like you know this is a mutual thing and, and he wants to get rid of her husband because he really does want to be with her um, so it 's interesting, but it 's also i think what 's quite interesting about both of the books and their treatment of it is even though there is very much a sense that both of both of the writers believe that um, edith was was innocent. Um, there is a real difference in the way they present that innocence and the way that they justify their mm-hmm. reasons. And I think um, after, it's interesting that F. Tennyson and Janice Jessie feels that she has to make um, Edith more refined in some way mm-hmm. in order to make her justifiably innocent, whereas E.M. Dederfield doesn't feel the need to do that. You know, Elsie is very much a working-class girl, and that's fine. Whereas I think... F. Tennis and Jessie wants to point out that you know, she was something special she was something different um, yeah, the or- ordinariness of it is taken out of it and it's as if that would make it sordid in some way, it has to be special she has to be somebody who was different to other people around her when you know, evidently she she wasn't, I mean it says in the on the Wikipedia page, which is obviously so accurate <laughs> um, but you know, she was, Edith Thompson was a clever perch, she was clever, she was bright etc, but you know, she's not she wasn't anything massively special
1: and the sort of key defense that they give in in Pinty Future is that she's this very imaginative almost like Mm -hmm. a fantasist yeah whereas there's there's an interesting line in in Delicates where she underlines the fact that she's Elsie's not imaginative yeah Um, where she's just um yeah this sort of girl who sees what's in front of her and and that's it yeah um, so I mean going back to our first half of the discussion it's interesting that if I'd just read one of these, I think of that sort of how it was. Um, yeah. Whereas what's really interesting about reading them back to back, and I thought it might be a bit frustrating, but I actually found it just fascinating to see how mm. this character could, this real person could be so different. Um, and talking, you know, to complete the sort of um, triptych of, um, of, of sympathy, <laughs> I found Herbert, the husband in Fantasy of Future, much more sympathetic than Horace in Messalina. Yes. Um where I felt quite sorry for the Herbert in that, you know, he, obviously it's not a great marriage, um, but it's not really his fault. He just, he was attracted to her. She wasn't attracted to him. There's a lot about whether or not they share a bed. She, she said yeah. she'll marry him only if they don't have to share a bed. Um, she, she, yeah, she's willing to give him <laughs> inverted commas conjugal rights, which comes up <laughs> quite a lot. <laughs> um, but, um, he's just quite lovelorn and quite sad that his, that his, um, marriage is, Failing. Yeah.
0: Um, um, I think it, it's that's justifiable and you can feel his frustration. I mean, you know, you don't, don't want to marry somebody who's young and attractive and then never be able to have sex with her. Um, and he's obviously had a relation. Uh, his, he's been married before and that marriage, uh, his wife dies and she's, you know, she's one of those women who's perpetually unwell um and that's obviously been a disappointment to him as well so basically he's just sexually frustrated really which you know is understandable um
1: i think he's also said that the relationship isn't working that it's not the sort of that they yeah can't things I think together think yeah. he had a
0: vision of what it would be like to be married to her and, and he thinks that she's great you know he thinks that she's stylish and smart and you know she's a she's classy like he he values her for all of the things that Dennis and jesse says that she is and yeah you know, all Julia ever gives him is disdain and to be fair to him, he provides her with a nice home, she doesn't need to work, she only works because she wants to. Um, and, and he's
1: not unkind or no. cruel cool or anything. Whereas Horace is, he's, he's yes. very, um, sort of, almost, I think, and I, should, I haven't really said, but I think these are really, really good books, but, um, but yeah, even if it's probably broader brushstrokes, well, definitely broader brushstrokes, yes. I think she's got the, um, yeah, he's much more of a sort of monster. Um, yeah to be disposed of <laughs> where yeah. you can't feel particularly sad when he dies whereas I did feel yeah more sort of I think there's some much more nuanced characters perhaps in Pindancy the the People's Shame.
0: yeah and I think they're more nuanced because she's got she's got longer to write about them but yeah, um, yeah I think think that's what i found quite different between the two so i'd read this Pin to see the peep show and i felt like it was a real psychological exploration of of what it is to be to find yourself in an impossible situation and you did i mean i would felt a bit scared reading it really because i thought well you know goodness this could happen to anyone mm-hmm. um i mean not that i can imagine <laughs> myself in such a situation but you know you never know
1: <laughs>
0: and, um then at the same time when you read messalina of the suburbs, it is a lot shorter. You do get less of the psychology, but at the same time it's that sense of ordinary people being suddenly finding themselves somewhere that they've never planned on being in, and it is very much like a an accident.
1: And I couldn't so, decide whether I found M you know, was writing patronizing or not. Like, because I quite liked that she, they were ordinary people, but also at the same time I felt occasionally like, she was maybe writing down to them I I mean, my understanding of what the dialogue of, of working-class people in the 20s is like comes entirely from books from the 20s. So <laughs> it's hard to know whether this is false or if this is actually what people did talk like and people did think like, um, you know, some people, obviously.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, what did you think about that?
0: Yeah, I felt that it was very much... Um, certainly her mother, Elsie's mother, is in this whole idea of, you know, I'm respectable, ain't I, kind of thing. and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's she's a good girl. She's a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good girl, my Elsie. And it is, it is a bit like that. It is a bit, you know, comedy working class. And I do wonder um, whether, yeah, there is a bit of patronisation there, um, but also perhaps a sense of sympathy in that, you know, oh, she's this. Everyone's a bit stupid and a bit focused around, you know, things that don't matter. And you think, oh, you know, Elsie's grown up in that environment. She doesn't know any better. You know, would somebody who'd grown up in that environment really have masterminded murder and all those sorts of things? And I think perhaps that's what she's using that Mm -hmm. for. Um, And it's interesting in a pin to see the peep show as well because um, Julia's parents are, are again, shown to be quite unsophisticated, very um, ineffective in many ways. Her mother is just, you know, pathetic, doesn't really do anything. Um, Same with her father. And that idea that they've come from backgrounds that have not, valued them in any way or given them the opportunity to be anything better than they are and both of them are are quite kind of independent in their ability to imagine a different life for themselves. Which I think is quite interesting. But at mm. the same time, I mean both Tennyson and Jesse and E. M. Delafield were upper class, so I yeah, think yeah. there, there's always going to be an element of not really understanding, isn't there?
1: Yeah. Um Let's talk about the titles, I think they're both really interesting um, so do you want to explain where a pin to See the peachcher comes from because yes it's a c- curious title isn't it?
0: it is yes um so when Efton and jesse not F-Tinus, um F-Tinus and Jesse writes uh Julia's early days at school, and um it's very interesting actually because she is given this this the yo- those younger children. Who have, um, and she goes to have, she has to sort of basically be the substitute teacher for the afternoon. And these younger children, um, have been making these peep shows. So they're kind of boxes and they've got a picture inside that they've had to make themselves. And then you make a little hole in the front and then you look through the hole and there's like this magical world inside the box, um, uh, made of, you know, bits of card or whatever. Mm. And you have to pay a pin, um, like a dressmaker's pin to, to, to have a look inside. And one of the children gives her, his peep show, and she looks inside and sees it. And I think I'm right in saying it's Leo, isn't it?
1: Uh, yes, it is. I've forgotten that. Yeah,
0: yes. so Leo, her lover, uh, it, it, but he is a child in that class. So he's younger than her, and he gives her his peep show. And Julia looks inside, and she sees this amazing world, and it kind of really entrances her and makes it's kind of a metaphor for how she wants a world that's more beautiful than the world that she's been given. Um, and it's really interesting that she chooses to make Leo the owner of that peep show who gives it to her to view. And it's like he offers her later on a different world. But ultimately, it's all false, isn't it?
1: Yeah, very good. Um, yeah. I also think it's a nice sort of <laughs> metaphor. For, uh, <laughs> it's a very sophisticated. Uh, again, Rachel is available for that article. But, um, <laughs> um, I, I thought it was also in, an interesting sort of... Um, comment on the spectacle of how she later becomes sort of the pupil herself Jeez. how uh, the public is clamouring to see this this child not really thinking of it as real people anymore but just as figures in this mm. um, in this drama for them um, whereas Messalina the suburbs um, I think in 1924 perhaps people had a better understanding of classical figures than they do now or perhaps yeah. or certainly than I do I keep kept having to look up who Messalina was and kept forgetting um, so Messalina a real person um, alive in the first century, um, he was married to Roman Emperor Claudius, um, and, uh, allegedly conspired to kill him. So, she's t- taking this, cause I, yeah, I originally thought that she was in classical myth. It turns out she was actually just a real person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, we'll take this, uh, real life. Presumably very powerful, glamorous sort of story of you know, political intrigue and, you know, in the suburbs, um, yes. of the suburbs, in that very 20s. In fact, I guess it's still today sort of looking down on the suburbs. She also wrote a book novel called The Suburban Young Man, which is all about how terrible it is to fall in love with a man from the suburbs. <laughs> <So> <laughs> she obviously had something about the suburbs. <laughs> um, which I think those titles... A really good sort of clues to how the novels novelists are going to treat their characters mm. where yeah and you know, there's very much isn't it strange that this big drama happens in the suburbs, whereas F and testesis is much more um look at this sort of sophisticated fantastical world of of yeah real people with, with going going through something extraordinary um and also it's a really interesting discussion of abortion (laughs) just to take a tangent that was um unexpected in the 1930s novel
0: yes there's a lot of it and it's and both of the books actually are very interesting for their domestic details and also fashion details Mm -hmm. i found it all very interesting and i also found it interesting um about the kind of i love books about people who work in shops i don't know what it is i just find it really interesting and um you know, all of the details of, of what went into it and the independence that Julia has of travelling to Paris and things, certainly before World War One, And I think there's a lot of belief out there that women didn't have a lot of freedom of movement or opportunity to be entrepreneurial or anything at that time. But actually, there are a lot of working women in these books who are working and providing money for themselves. You know, Elsie's mum runs a boarding house. Um, so it's quite interesting from a socio economic perspective as well.
1: Yeah, I loved all the stuff of the shop. I loved the characters there. It was, I, I mean, I'd happily read a novel just about that shop.
0: I know um, it was great.
1: Yeah, the different hierarchies and what was what were the name of the people who are the matchers who just like the, mm. the the much lower class girls who would just run between shop trying to take from match a fabric at the fabric store.
0: Yeah, um, nobody wants to be a matcher.
1: No, quite. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you also see the consequences of war. I think in a much more real way in that in that novel because. Mm. Um, Elsie's first sort of love, sort of, never really gets that far, but um, he's sent off to war and and he dies in war. Alfred, is it? Something like that? Yeah, something
0: like that.
1: Um, And that's quite poignant. It comes back to her occasionally, particularly in in the early days of marriage, before she um, re-meets Leslie. Sorry, Leo. Um, Yeah, where she... um, yeah, thinks, all well, this isn't quite like it was with him, or that sort of thing. And then, yeah, the people in the shop who lose people in the war. And it's, yeah, I think it's quite a lot of poignancy around the effects of the war and how, in some ways, the war with, you know, quick marriages between people who didn't know if they would see each other again did maybe propel her into this marriage, maybe because it was an environment where quick marriages were were more...
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how these marriages are are very much encouraged and supported by the mothers. And you do think, you know, especially considering the age of both of these girls, you would have thought that the mother would have been a bit more like, hey, you need to, I'm not sure this is quite going to work. And instead, they're kind of very anxious to get rid of these, like, girls are very much seen as something to get rid of.
1: Yeah, um, particularly settled. in the Messalina. Yeah. She's yeah, thr- thr- yeah. thrilled. <laughs> Just
0: sort yourself, you know, you need to be with somebody because you're gonna get in trouble basically unless you are.
1: Oh gosh, yes. she's basically like you're gonna get pregnant outside of <laughs> marriage, aren't you? Unless yeah. you get get a ring on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there is a lot in here to think about in terms of, you know, how responsible were people for the decisions that they were making and actually how much can these people be blamed? And I think, you know, there must have been a hell of a lot of unhappy marriages.
1: Yeah. Um, what did you think of the uh, writing in the two books, just in, um, in general?
0: Um, I, you know, I've never read anything by Tennis and Jessie before, and I was incredibly impressed at that, so I thought it was brilliant. really loved it. Um, mm. And I think her ability to capture um, both internal and external environments is amazing. Like, I loved her description of London, of her riding on top of the omnibus and seeing things flashing past, and mm. it was all very interesting. And um, her use her ability to capture different voices and get inside people's heads I think she's got a beautiful way of writing I really want to read more of her stuff actually Um, E.M. Delafield I like her writing a lot um, but it lacks that um, not it's not that it's not nice writing because it is nice writing but it's not beautiful writing
1: yeah I think I I agree again it's the first F-Tennis and Jesse book I've read and it was yeah I really really thought it was very sophisticated very beautiful in, in places um writing and whereas i think i I've, I've read maybe like 15 or 20 of her books now <laughs> like, um, a lot of them really like her obviously um and i think page by page like or like since i've said that she's not a great pro stylist but she's a brilliant storyteller i think yes i find it i re- i would like read messina much quicker even though i mean obviously it's shorter, but I still, you know, page by page was going a lot quicker because it is a page turner, Mm. um, even though I knew exactly what was going to (laughs) happen, um, or more or less, Uh um, and I think it's, I've read better books by her, um, but I think she's one of the best storytellers I've I've read in terms of, yeah, you get, you get into that world, you, you get the characters you want to rattle through it, um. Without without being you know like a, a trashy writer, it's, it's not. No, like, yeah, it's not that sort. But of... But she's
0: not a so. stylist; she's a storyteller.
1: and There's a difference. Yeah, and she and she's yeah has moments, but but generally, and that's sort of it's sort of like comparing apples and oranges with these. Because mm. if I was just going to say which well, is the better writer in terms of style, definitely F. Dennis and Jessie. In terms of which one I enjoyed reading more, it's trickier because I, I, I yeah, I don't really know. I haven't really decided yet. Oh. Mm. Um, did you, did you have a firm favourite in terms of which you preferred reading?
0: Yeah, I did. i I preferred a pin to see the peep because I, I mean, I think perhaps because of the length, it just allowed for more interiority and I like interiority in the novel.
1: Yeah.
0: I felt that like I knew the characters more and I could really sympathise with them, whereas Elsie, I couldn't sympathise with as much and I think that's why I didn't, I mean, I didn't, dis, I didn't not enjoy it. I mean, I thought it was very good, but, um, yeah, having just read the other one, I found it like, oh, I, I preferred Julia the whole yeah. way through.
1: How did you find the experience in general of reading the same story twice in a row? Did you well, find it just, good yeah. or disconcerting? Or? It, was, it was
0: different to what I expected because I finished up in to see the Peep show and then I thought, I, the, my first thought was, I don't think i have put myself through this again. Hmm. Um And I was just like, oh, and then I started reading it and it was so different because I just thought, oh, it's going to be, you know, pretty much exactly the same story. But it's funny how it is the same story, but not in any way, shape or form, the same story at all. Elsie is a very different person to Julia. So I found and I actually found it really fascinating how differently both of them had handled very similar material and how differently they had um, interpreted the events and, and chosen to interpret the people and you know class wise and motivation wise so yeah i actually found it really interesting and i think you know going back to our earlier discussion it is really interesting to see how different people perceive the same things because these are i think you could probably if you didn't know read both of them without necessarily making the connection if you'd read them far enough apart
1: that's a good point possibly could yeah I, I I would definitely recommend it to anyone who who's read one or, or or neither that reading doing it like this I think is a really fun unusual mm. thing because it's not often this sort of thing happens like there no. probably aren't that many pairs of books based on the same events and I think it's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I definitely recommend the the experiment um, um, and I think I'm also I think I am going to pick up into see the people show as well because um, whilst I, whilst I perhaps. Maybe even, uh, I might even have enjoyed reading The Delafield more. I think because it's such, so unusually good a novel, um, The Pintaceous of the Pupido, and so nuanced and interesting that I think I have to choose it. Although it feels wrong to pick someone over E.M. Delafield, given <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I was thinking which one would I reread? And I think I would definitely reread The Pintaceous of the Show, whereas, I mean, I'd probably read Messalina, but I'd just as likely just read a different E.M. Delafield because it it wasn't particularly out of her sort of normal type of novel. I think I'd probably just think, oh, yeah, I, I think I'd be more likely to read one I've not read by her or reread a different one by her. It's not like yeah. it doesn't rise above all her other novels. Um, and I'm interested The only one I've heard of by F. and Jessie, other than this, is The Lady or A lady Lady. see that one around occasionally, but she may well have, I'm sure she wrote lots of things.
0: Yeah, she wrote quite a lot. And according to my edition, it was also a niece of Alfred Lord Tennyson. So there you are.
1: Was that why she shoved it in there? The, yeah, she shoved uh, it in there. She's like, damn
0: it, you people will know. And also she was born close to where I grew up, so that's ex- always exciting.
1: And do you know what F stands for? Uh,
0: no. Frinnewid. yes, <laughs> I'm presuming that's a Anglo-Saxon name.
1: Yes, I'd call myself F if my name was Frinewood. I think.
0: <laughs> How ridiculous. I wonder what the story behind that is.
1: Interesting. Maybe there's a biography or a novelisation oh, okay. of her life that we can read.
0: Her mother's side descended from Cornish seafarers. Do we think Fr- Frinewood might be a Cornish name?
1: Yeah, maybe, yeah.
0: I'm going to Google this.
1: Seaf- What's the difference between a seafarer and a sailor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe a seafarer <laughs> is someone who's more... It's um, so a classy
1: sailor. <laughs> yeah,
0: basically. I see Farer. Someone who, um, you know, is exploring, perhaps, rather than needing to do so for a living. Weird. So How right do we style this? Weird, right?
1: Lots of, of Ys.
0: Yeah, a of Weird. <laughs> I'm spelling it wrong. Weird. Um It's only coming up with F. Tennis and Jesse. Apparently, first name meaning. Uh, oh, there's a, there's a website. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it means you have a very sensitive, inspirational, and idealistic nature. I'm not convinced <laughs> that's true. It doesn't um, sound
1: like the most scientific website.
0: No, it also doesn't tell me where the name comes from, which is what I was looking for. Which uh, made it up. Well, I mean, maybe it is a made-up name. That's absurd. Frinewood. No offense to anyone who's called Frinewood. I mean, there may be someone unlisted.
1: <laughs> <to you> <laughs> they get overestimating the reach of our podcast. <laughs>
0: Um, if you are called Friniweird, please tell us what it means. Oh, please get in touch. i literally couldn't find nothing. She's the only person in the world with this name, it seems.
1: There you go. It's a shame that she, in some ways, it is a gender term for F, then. If, you know. oh. That's a special name that Friniweird Jessie, Friniweird T. Jessie. You know, anyway. <laughs>
0: oh, Papa, <laughs> um, her father was called Eustace, so...
1: yeah, Well, yeah, they didn't love an ordinary name. Whereas what Ian e. Delafield was, um, well, she was Ed May Elizabeth Monica.
0: Yes, Edme, yes. the usual name as I well. Quite
1: like Edme. Well, we seem to have wandered off topic somewhat. <laughs> um, so yes, that's two. much for, for Frin- a So
0: it's Winifred, but I think they changed it to Frinewid
1: for their own reasons. Yeah, Frinewid Winifred, uh, horrifying. But um, great, good for her.
0: Um,
1: so yes, we very much recommend both these. In fact, all the books I've read just for podcasts have ended up being really good, so hurrah. Yeah. But, um, I really like both of these, and it was a really fun experiment. So, um, do let us know if you've read either of them, and which you pick. Um, as I think I said last time, Messalina the Suburbs is very cheaply available on, on eReader, if you have a, if you have mm. a Kindle get it for a 79p or something. Um, I don't know how easy it's been to See the Peep Show is. Well, it's, harder. I
0: think it's fairly easy to buy used. I mean, I've, I've always seen them in charity shops, second-hand bookshops. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, I, I did read the I short have...
1: stories in the Miscellany, which were fine, <laughs> but oh, not Oh, you read them?
0: Oh, I didn't bother. I did. That.
1: Yeah. Um, they're mostly about how terrible women are, actually. so, <laughs> Yeah, um, it's the End of the weird sort of play all around whether or not um, people should intervene in the in the lives of young women um, who are pregnant outside of marriage. So there you go. <laughs> wow.
0: Well, I think I'll so, give that a, go. Give those a miss.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's just someone flinging themselves out a the window. It's all very dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the next episode, um, we will be talking about two s- books about spinsters. Um, we'll be talking about The Rector's Daughter by F.M. Mayer um, and The Magnificent Spinster by May Sarton, uh, which Rachel gave me six years ago <laughs> and I've yet to read, so this is a very good incentive for me to read
0: it.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, um, yes, yeah, so we'll be rereading The Rector's Daughter.
0: Lovely book. Ooh.
1: Okay.
0: Thanks for listening.
1: Bye.
0: Bye.